Welcome to the Pen and the Yod. This week's Torah portion is Shemot. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Ansham at Synagogue in Chicago sits down with author Jonathan Eig and asks a very important question. So, you think you are God? How quickly things change. We end the book of Genesis and life seems pretty good. The family has come together as much as a dysfunctional family like Jacob's can come together. Joseph is one of the most important people in Egypt, has led a total economic recovery. Things are great. You turn the page, you begin the book of Exodus. The uh, Israelites have grown. They started with 70, and now there are hundreds of years have passed, and they're a large nation, right? They're growing. They're fulfilling what the Torah sees as being God's blessing of pru or vu. They're being fruitful, and they're multiplying. And the person who takes notice of this is Pharaoh. Vayakam melech hadash al mitzrayim. Asher lo da et Yosef. A new king arises over Egypt who doesn't know Joseph. And what follows is kind of a textbook study on anti-Semitism. First accusation is that he denies any history with Egypt, right? Joseph, who had turned everything around, is now seen as being not even a footnote in history. The second thing is, is that in case of a war, the Pharaoh now enters into the conversation a terrifying thought. Maybe these uh, Israelites, maybe they will turn against us and side with our enemies. They're their fifth column. And they are multiplying too quickly for us. And thus begins that slippery slope, this paradigm that Jewish history is full of over and over again of Jews finding themselves being unwelcome in a country and then leading to violence and the death of the firstborn. Yeah, some of this is familiar throughout history in ways that go beyond the Jews, right? An oppressed minority starts to improve itself and then suddenly the power structure realizes that we can't allow this to happen. We've seen this time and time again with revolutions that have to be put down. But with the Jews... Uh, there's a there seems to me I, I suspect you'll agree that there's there's something else at work there's something more primal here there's a fear that goes beyond just uh, the ordinary rulers versus the ruled right and and I think it's you know for first of all evidently the Israelites or the Jews are noticeable in the society I mean otherwise he wouldn't have taken note of them perhaps they are they continue to be involved in government we don't know all the details, but we know is that they haven't escaped Pharaoh's vision. Do you think they're noticeable because they worship differently, because they have different um, rites, rituals, or is it something else? I would say that it is because Jews are intentionally other. From the very start, Abraham has to leave everything that he knew and follow God. And by following God, that also means separating yourself out from the larger society. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that meant for these people, but we know that throughout Jewish history, it's your dress, it's the, it's your diet, can't really eat with you, can't come to your house, right? Our mode of worship, the clothing that we wear, everything is different. So had they assimilated better? Had they blended in more? Perhaps had they toned down their rituals, they, they might not have been singled out in this way? Well, that's a good question. If they hadn't, then we probably wouldn't be here because we, we, be assim- we, we, we would have assimilated. So we would we have watered it down to the point where it wasn't worth preserving which goes, anymore. Which goes back to your original point, which was that we're not the only people that have met the ire of a larger society by 
having the temerity to rise up and become successful. Right? You see this across America today and the debate about not only immigrants, but also college admissions, how some groups now are being discriminated against because they have done so well. So this is not new, but what's interesting about Jews is that the vociferousness visited against Jews is historically off the charts and has led to not only pogroms, but the Holocaust and onward. And we're living in a time when anti-Semitism is on the rise. And so all the things that Pharaoh is laying out are going to be repeated again and again in history. Are we a fifth column? What about our our um, support of Israel? How do we understand that? Yeah, and I guess um, I'm still fascinated by the why. Is the Pharaoh's real fear that the Israelites might be a fifth column? Or is his real fear of just the unknown, that these people are different than us? And sure, they may blend in for a while. They may be useful to us for a while. The next administration comes along and wants and needs somebody to crack down on, needs somebody to show that they can be tough and the Jews are easy targets. Some historians posit that Joseph could have only risen up during a time when the Hyksos, which was a Semitic people, were in power. They had overrun Egypt. They were running Egypt. And so that's the only time that another Semitic person could have risen up through the ranks. But they were overthrown. And Ramses, that represents a different age. Also, an age of turmoil but a different age and kind of going back to the old time religion. And so the Jews may have been caught in the switches here, literally. That is what the Torah may represent. But the story itself is an archetypal story. It's a story that we tell over and over again. Jews were invited to come into Poland to in the Middle Ages to help to reorganize the economy of Poland. They were invited in. They were a protected minority until they weren't. And this is a story over and over again that you have a leadership that forgets Joseph, that denies any connection, and Jews become other. They become dangerous. And so we don't know what happened here, but the reality is it feels awfully relevant, doesn't it? it? Of course it does, yeah. And it raises the question of what are you supposed to do when you're an oppressed minority, especially when you're you know, the victim of anti-Semitism, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to assimilate or are you supposed to fight it? And if you fight it, you can just be fighting it over and over again throughout history? Well, one philosophy is the one that was familiar to me growing up, kind of the shah still, you know, don't, don't rock the boat. Don't be too visible, don't speak too loudly, don't be too Jewish. You can follow this in a whole variety of ways. But the history of the relationship between the American Jewish community and Israel is a really interesting one. We either forget or didn't know that when Eichmann was captured in the early 60s by the state of Israel and brought back to Israel for trial, that the leaders of the American Jewish community, the AJC, which was the most powerful national Jewish organization, castigated Ben-Gurion for doing this. You, don't, you didn't have any right in international law to do this. The trial shouldn't be held in Israel. It should be held in Germany. And Ben-Gurion, if he had any hair, would have torn it out. Mm. He was infuriated. What right? I don't need international right. I'm a Jew. We're a Jewish state. This man is responsible for the final solution more than any other person aside from Hitler? You're telling me we can't put him on trial? But what's motivating 
that is a sense of the diaspora Jew too strong, too much, right? Too out there. It's insecurity. It's uh, it's a feeling like this could all be taken away from us again, and if we if we make too much noise. I think a lot of people, I'm not old enough to remember, but I think a lot of people thought when Israel was created that that would end, that, that we would have a, a power structure, a base of our, of our own where we could become equals, um, where we could be, we could operate on the world stage without fear that all of this could be taken away from us again. That is precisely what Herschel thought. Israel would normalize the Jew. And a large part of the basis of early Zionism was to create the new Jew. Hanukkah's in the offing, become the new Maccabee to work the land, to no longer be involved with trade or economic, but to, to work in an honest industry, as it was understood, to work the land and, and recreate ourselves as a new people. Today, studies are being done that show that the notion that Jews are more favorably disposed, are more uh, supportive of Israel than the country that they're living in is on the rise well over 50% in many European and Eastern European countries, but uncomfortably on the rise in America too. The more Jews are out front on Israel, the more some people in this country say, you know, Jews are actually more loyal. We're hearing the words of Pharaoh. So that tension, the one from Eichmann, the one that, was, that Herzl was trying to ameliorate, and to change, that's very much present with us today. You can see it in your own children. Oh, absolutely. I want to know what you think the Torah has to say about how we should handle this balance. But let me first say that maybe a case could be made that we are in a far better place than we've ever been. Israel is strong. Jews around the world, as you said, identify with it and in some cases feel more loyalty toward Israel than they do to their own country. We have here in America two, assuming Bloomberg is really in the race, two Jewish candidates for president who last time around Bernie Sanders did not get a whole lot of scrutiny, did not seem to be attacked for Jewishness. He was attacked for plenty of other things. So maybe we are in a better place. Um, I'll punt that one over to you. Are these the best of times or are these the worst of times, right? Are we standing on the precipice? I think that's a, that's a great question. What we see on the surface may not reflect what's going on beneath the surface. While we're watching this and celebrating the fact that Bernie Sanders and Bloomberg can get into a presidential election without a whole debate about whether or not Jews should be in these kinds of races, says a lot of very positive things. At the same time, anti-Semitism in this country is, is very much on the rise. Anti-Semitic tropes are everywhere on the internet. And acts of real violence. And acts of real violence. So are we at this kind of nexus point is a great question. But the answer that the Torah gives is clear. What's the name of the book that we just started? Exodus. Right. Go and settle your own land. This is probably the most Zionist book in the Torah. Go to Israel, right? right? Because it's only going to get worse. And I'll stand with you, God says, and I'm going to lead you through the desert. But you need to live and settle in your own land. That was the goal. That was the idea. I'm not at all an advocate of the notion that it's going to happen here. However, I do think that Jews need to get off the fence. You see the struggle in the book that the people themselves are not sort of 
waiting, chomping at the bit to go, they reject Moses. And over and over again throughout the rest of the Torah, they're going to want to turn back and go back to Egypt. Mm -hmm. So these are the issues that we are looking at today. I mean, what would Herzl say today if, um, if, he, if, he, if he suddenly showed up and said, why are we in Chicago? Right. Well, wait, wait. I mean, you could just get on an airplane, direct flight coming in March, all to Israel. Right. You, you could go directly to Israel, and you're not going. You're not going to live there. You choose to stay here. And there's air conditioning now. Wait a minute. I just read the newspaper. <laughs> Anti-Semitism's on the right. Wait, you, are you kidding? What are you thinking about? Right. So let's come back to your question. What, what are we telling our children? What should we be telling our children? At a moment know. like this. I don't know. You know, it's, I think that's exactly what we're talking about in, in this book is that um, complacency is, 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 our, is our natural state. Uh, you know, our natural state is inertia. That is true. The Jews only seem to leave countries when they have no other choice. But the reality is, is that I think the Israelites eventually had to get off the fence. They had to identify themselves. They had to actually put the blood on the doorposts of their homes. They had to say, this is who we are. They had to actually take a stand and start walking to Israel. I don't think that all Jews should go to Israel. I don't think that's the goal today. But I do think that we need to get off the fence. We need to begin to teach Zionism in a much more direct way, equip our children to not only, with a love of Israel, a commitment to Israel, a understanding that you can be a good Zionist and also be critical of Israel when you want to be, or you feel it's, it's impinging on you or people that you love or you are offended. But we stand with Israel nonetheless. And I think is, that, that I think has to be a, a large part of a shift in what we do. I agree. And then you may see less uh, complacency on our end if we, te if we can teach that. Pharaoh's not going away. All right. Well, this was uplifting. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks.